Hey there, I'm Nate Fisher with Journey 12, and I'm here with another episode of the Engaging Bobcats podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Meridian teachers Jennifer Bashu and Lisa Thomas to discuss how the unique culture of Meridian schools has developed and how it's improved the quality of learning and student engagement. Often the phrase, like a family, is tossed around so often that it may seem to have lost its original meaning. But the faculty, student, and parent dynamic at Meridian is a unique example of school as family in action. Strong and lasting relationships are built between co-workers, teachers with children, and parents with children. At the core of every ideal community is a tightly wound ball of strong and lasting relationships, and Meridian is a case study in this phenomenon. I'm here this morning with first grade teacher Jennifer Bashu and Lisa Thomas. So thanks to both of you for joining us. We're just going to have a little conversation, and I'm fascinated by the work of teachers. I'm especially enamored with the work that you and your colleagues are doing at Meridian because I think it's just such a remarkable school community for a thousand reasons in many respects. You have some unique challenges. You know, we, we have a community in Meridian and, and Mounds and Mound City and Pulaski and the surrounding areas that comes from, you know, kind of a sparsely populated area. You know, we know that there are some economic challenges, et cetera, et cetera. But I see you and your team members overcoming these challenges every day, and I see remarkable results. What is it about Meridian that makes this so special? Can we start with you, Lisa? I believe what makes uh, Meridian so special is that it's really a family environment that's intentional about ensuring that students are learning. The focus is on um, students, but while focused on students, it supports staff. So I think that that's what makes it the goals, the goal is that our students learn and we are provided with the resources to ensure um, that that happens. You know, I, I think you put that so well. You used a word there I want to kind of hone in on a little bit. You used the word intentional. And I believe that's right. There is a real intentionality that I see. It's a vibe I pick up when I come into the school and when I meet with some of the some of the faculty members or even some of the students. In fact, especially some of the students. I had a uh, opportunity to meet with a few young men at the end of last year, and oh my goodness, they were going to change the world, and I believe they will. They meant it. Oh, you're really describing a culture, and you know, a culture is not something that can be driven from a you know, from a, an org chart. It cannot be driven from a handbook somewhere. Culture comes from somewhere else. How is it that you have developed this culture of intentionality to such effect, Lisa? How, how did you, meaning you, the collective we, Meridian, how did it come to be? Because it wasn't always there. Somehow or another, it had to come into position. How did that happen? Well, for me, um, this is my third visit to Meridian. <laughs> I actually started teaching at Meridian. Then I went uh, to serve in my hometown. Then I came back to Meridian. <laughs> Where's your hometown, Lisa? Uh, uh, my hometown is Cairo, Cairo, Illinois. And uh, after serving at Meridian, uh, the second time I actually 
moved moved away, <laughs> uh, went back to serve in my hometown, and then back again. Though I've worked in many different places, uh, the majority of my years of serving, I've served at Meridian. To me, because I I I know Meridian since 1993, that culture was to me developed right back then. It's still the place that I feel like the environment is so that to me it makes it conducive to learning. What am I what am I talking about? I'm talking about the school culture in which that says to that says to students as well as staff in my opinion I'm glad that you're here cuz even with me rejoining Meridian I have staff saying things to me like I'm glad you're here I pray that you would stay and to me that's an environment that most people would want to be in And so for me, as I answer the question, it's the environment that I've always known. (laughs) When I think in terms of Meridian, I know that we have uh, different administrators, but I believe that they're basically developing what's the foundation that's already been set. Now, Jennifer, I know that we, we were just chatting a little bit before we came on mic, and you mentioned that you're teaching first grade, right? Right. And how long have you been teaching at Meridian? This will be my fifth year. Take me back a little further. Were there other teaching assignments that you had before Meridian, or is this the first one, or where are we at there? I've been a teacher since 2001, but I took a lot of time off to raise my kids and then entered the public school setting about 10 years ago, and I did a lot of subbing and um, long-term leaves in Williamson County area before I decided I was ready to, you know, have my own classroom. And that's when I came to Meridian. Sure. So, so you've undoubtedly got a basis of some sort for a, a compare contrast sort of a situation. Undoubtedly, you see something special in Meridian or you wouldn't be making the 45 mile hike or 45 minute hike every day, right? You're right. I do. Mm-hmm. What is it about Meridian that really smacks you and says, holy smokes, this is a different kind of school community. I love this for whatever reason. What is it to you? Well, for me, I'm used to much bigger districts, which those come with, you know, pros and cons, but here at Meridian, it's small. It's like a family. And I have always, always had great support from my students' families. And I think that's a lot of what keeps me coming back. I've never had a parent or a guardian, you know, not be on board with what we need to do. And same thing with admin. I mean, they've just always been very supportive and I've always felt like they have my back and Everybody really in the building, the teachers, everybody's been awesome. And I haven't, that's why I don't even look for another job. I just keep coming back because I like it. Oh, that's a, that's wonderful to hear that you've got the, the families on your, 
on your on your team and you've got the admin on your team. I mean, you you've checked two very important boxes there, I think. Um what what do you see, Lisa, in terms of our ability to engage families and community to the greatest effect for the child's outcome? Yeah, I'm interested in knowing what you see as opportunities either uh, opportunities that have been seized already that you've had success with, or maybe they're just theoretical ideas for engaging families and community to the benefit of the kids' outcomes. Um, I think here at Meridian, there are uh, various ways in which parents are um, engaged. We engage them through uh, our website. A lot of the uh, a lot of the information is placed on the website. Uh, parents are also engaged. We use uh, teacher ease as well as that's our um, school ma- classroom management system. We also use uh, a program that's called Seesaw in which we can uh, reach parents where parents can actually know what assignments their students have. That's a way that we can actually communicate back and forth um, with parents. Uh, We also have um, open house, which is a way that we can engage uh, parents. We also have parent-teacher conferences, a way that we can um, engage parents. We have programs in which we can um, engage uh, parents. Uh, I know a lot of the um, teachers, some teachers uh, have newsletters that they send home to uh, uh, parents. I know that some teachers have classroom management systems set up to the point that um, they're constantly in communication uh, with parents, whether it's uh, something good or um, not so uh, good, too. I know some of the teachers uh, engage uh, parents through their uh, homework sheets, whereas it's communicated to the parents what the assignments are. They give the teachers feedback of what the discipline was for uh, the day, uh, some teachers don't mind, uh, contacting parents. Uh, some parents actually have the teacher's cell phone numbers <laughs> where, whereas they can reach them, uh, at any time. Just like I know that, um, on my newsletters that go out at the beginning of school year, uh, it has my numbers where students can reach me either by phone or where, uh, whether it's phone or whether it's, um, email. Uh, Here we have um, a variety of ways in which uh, we can involve uh, parents in which I'm grateful for. Just as Ms. Bashu said, uh, the parent support is phenomenal. Uh, I really like that I can reach out to a parent for whatever reason, and they are willing to help and you've said you said some important things there. A lot of positive infrastructure in place, and a lot of strategic ideas in place that seem to be, uh, you know, engendering a great deal of participation. That 
side of the team that is beyond the walls of the school, uh, which I think is absolutely so critical. You know, when I think about first graders and fifth graders, which is, you know, both of uh, your respective areas, it, it seems to me that there's quite a throw between the first grader and that fifth grader, right? It's almost like they're wired completely differently. And I may be mistaken here because I know that all kids want to learn and all kids want to do well and they want to please their teachers and generally speaking. But I'm curious about your expectations, or your hopes, your best hopes, greatest hopes for these young people's outcomes. Jennifer, when you think about your students who are moving forward through the grades and who are going to move into, into Miss Thomas's room at some point, or one of her colleagues' rooms at some point. Um, what are your best hopes for these young people? continue to feed the students that I know they can be because I know when it's I have my own children and when you get older it's easy to fall into you know bad habits and and I just want them to continue to meet their potential yeah so you're you're really talking about each child finding their strengths and and being able to continue to leverage those strengths and uh, mitigate maybe some areas of of uh, challenge that they may have or find a way to you know, resource around their particular challenges I mean there have been hundreds of books, maybe thousands of books written on playing to our strengths. And let's not worry so much about our weaknesses. But at the same time, we know that when we're teaching first graders and fifth graders and everything in between, we're not prepared to accept that weaknesses or challenges are set in stone yet. We want to continue to develop those kids, right? So so Jennifer, um, uh, Lisa was was speaking rather passionately about the connection between school and community, which is a wonderful thing. I'm curious, if you were if you were to look for opportunity um, for further enhancing that, if you were to say, you know what, if I had a magic wand and could wave it, um, you know, to to create a greater degree of engagement between our school and our community members, what would I do? I wonder how would you handle that magic wand? What would you like to see happen? Well, I'm happy you asked because I happen to be on the fall festival committee for this year, and Yay. we're super excited to have people back in the school. You know, we've been dealing with all this COVID stuff for so many years where we couldn't maybe do engage the community like we would like to, but this year we are excited to have some events coming back and really, um, really get the community out here and involved again. That's your family. Get your family out there. I mean, it, it really, I mean, I think Meridian, unlike any school I've, I work with currently or ha I've ever worked with, really does feel like a family at these, at these gatherings. Um, you know, and I just think that's a, a, a unique characteristic of your school community. And it seems to me that uh, it's a real strength. So things like the fall festival and bring people out and get people talking to one another and, you know, experiencing uh, some time together, which is a, a positive thing. Are there any other ideas that either of you have that we can be doing uh, as a school community to try to engender even more engagement than we currently have? Well, we've really tried to organize this year and not just say we're going to do all these things and just really get them on paper. And we have committees for each event. And I know there's uh, programs like a Christmas program, a Black History program planned. So we have the whole year laid out and we're ready for these events. We're not just, you know, saying they're going to happen and then 
they never come to fruition. We're really actively planning and meeting on these things. It's impossible to ignore the fact that America is moving through a particularly interesting, unusual, challenging, pick your adjective, moment in history where there seems to be polarization of all sorts, creating tensions, and even threatening some of our institutions in ways that we've probably not seen for a very long time, maybe not in our lifetimes. Is that in any way, shape, or form a companion piece to how you ladies have to conduct your professional lives? Are you needing to provide any kind of extra oomph that maybe you would not have had to 15 years ago in your classrooms with your students because of the things that are happening in our country right now? We, you know, we, we, we are moving through this era together, whether we like it or not. Has it visited Meridian? And if so, what does it feel like? What does it look like? I haven't noticed it here. I haven't noticed it. Another thing that I love about Meridian is that we have the opportunity to teach social emotional learning, which teaches students to be self-aware and to accept differences. And, and I believe that it makes a difference in students knowing who they are and accepting the fact that we're all different. We're all somebody, because that's something that I stress. We're all somebody. But I liked what you said about SEL, because I do think that that social emotional piece is so critically important. And I'm, I'm going to throw some compliment your way again. There is immense maturity in the young people I speak with from Meridian. Immense. There is a, there is a self-awareness a comfort with their own skin, uh, within their own gender, within their own identity, whatever that may be, that is almost unheard of in any other place I work. Which which of you has the doctorate? Because one do. of you has a doctorate. Am I right? Okay. Uh, and tell me a little bit about that. What was that path like? Where did you, how did you come to the conclusion that that's something you wanted to do? And what's your back, your back educational backdrop look like, Lisa? I think I went that path, not because that's something that I wanted to do or desire to do. Uh, I believe I went that path because the places that I work, to the most part, my administrators pushed me, <laughs> pushed me, empowered me to see something beyond beyond of what I thought I could do. <laughs> um, okay. So they believed in you. They believed yeah, in they, you. Simply they, put. They, they believed in me. And so I think that's why I ended up in that path growing up. I would say for me, grew up in poverty, I grew up in a single, single parent home, I grew up in uh, you know, Carol had the projects, grew up in the projects. So therefore, uh, most people would say the odds were against me. <laughs> but you know what? I think I really am thankful for the fact that I had people in my life that saw something in me and helped me to see what was possible. That's why I'm so passionate about educating kids, making sure that they know who they are, 
what their potential is, what's possible, because it was those people in my life that pushed me, supported me to the place where I am today. And you now are in a position where undoubtedly there are other little girls looking up to you and little boys and saying, hmm, she did it. I can do it. She came from where I came from. Am I right? Yes. Does that, does that, I mean, I understand that, you know, you didn't sign a, a deal anywhere. I suspect it said, I will deliver this role model behavior. But by the same token, you have uh, achieved something that few people in the world achieve. And so you must be an inspiration to the young people of that region. I try. <laughs> try my best. <laughs> where, where did you do your undergrad, Lisa? I did my uh, undergrad at SIU. I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from Southern Illinois University. And then I got an ed specialist as well as my doctorate degree from St. Louis University in St. Louis. Well, congratulations Thank to be you. a Saluki and a Billiken. That's that's a big deal. Uh, and Jennifer, let's circle back and talk a little bit about your background. I, I I don't I don't know if I heard you say the words, but I inferred that maybe you had taught in the private setting at one point before you went into the public setting. Is that right? Well, kind of. Um, okay. Upon graduation, I worked as a private teacher for family. So I was kind of like homeschooling their kids for Oh, a that's few remarkable. Years. That's that had to have been interesting. It was. It was a great experience. Yeah, I'll bet that was. I'll be darned. And did you grow up in that uh, Williamson County area yourself? I did. Okay, fantastic. I know a lot of people and so did you go to SIU as well or where did you go to school? Tell me about your educational background. Also went to SIU, straight out of high school, student taught, and then then I went to do the private teaching thing for a while, had my family, and then, you know, started getting back into. I did a little bit of subbing after graduation um, in public school and then really didn't dive into the public education setting until about 10 years ago. Well, you know, to both of you, you come from a region, you're in a region, a region that I know well. I grew up there. As I say, I live in St. Louis now, but I grew up in in Southern Illinois. And I know that the region fairly critical of itself. It's like, well, where are our jobs? You know, wh why can't we get this going or that going? Or, you know, uh, we get excited when the restaurant comes to town and, and we should. I mean, those are jobs and it's new opportunity to try something new. There's nothing wrong with any of that. You know, we all want the best for our kids. You know, and I, as I look around what I still consider to be my region, Southern Illinois, I feel as if we have opportunities that maybe we can more effectively seize to help our children, to help our young people create a better future. Um, as you're teaching these first and fifth graders, I'm sure those thoughts go through your minds. Uh, how can we better uh, prepare them is to ensure that we're providing them the best education uh, possible. That's another thing that I like about Meridian is that when I transitioned back to Meridian, the first thing that that was afforded me was an opportunity to learn the educational programs that they had in place for the students. Like at that time, we utilized like Think Central, IXL, Seesaw, 
many different tools that I could use because I came back to Meridian at the time of pandemic where we were preparing for virtual learning. And I really felt like they gave me the professional development necessary to be effective in virtual learning. And then two, we have uh, professional development once a month. And it's not just uh, in some districts, there are times set aside for professional development, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> it does here, here it happens. As we, uh, this summer, we were afforded the opportunity to start revising our curriculum. And I felt like, I know for me, it really helped me because it allows for me to be able to intentionally plan to have the proper pacing in order for me to be able to teach what I need to teach before, before, um, testing. And then two, we were afforded the opportunity of uh, getting training in some RTI, which we are expected to provide um, intentional instructions in particular areas in in order to help those students that are um, struggling. Uh, We're talking about response to intervention, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we and we have like a particular time carved out, <laughs> carved out for us to have some intentional uh, instruction and some intensive stru- instruction for those that need it. We're required to have lesson plans for that time. <laughs> we have progress monitoring. Well, so you're really you're you're really on a granular level. I mean, you're you're resolving issues for sure that have to be resolved. But take me up to the tops of the trees here, Lisa. Let's let's get up to the you know, give me the the overview of the thirty thousand foot overview of what in the world can we do to lift these children who have been in some cases living in generational poverty, not just in Carrow and Meridian, but in Pinckneyville, in Nashville, in all these places that we presume have more money and have more this and more that. They don't. They're sending kids to school hungry also. They're going into the same Southern Illinois region that doesn't have enough jobs. How are we going to change that? What can we do to disrupt that pattern? I think, use the word that I used before, being intentional when it comes to making sure that the environment is conducive to learning. Also being intentional with making sure that we are hitting that social emotional piece because we have to ensure that our kids' minds are in the place to receive what we're trying to give them, being intentional in having high expectations in reference to behavior, high intentions in reference to uh, instruction, having high intentions in reference to students learning, because the expectation is that we teach and the expectation is that they learn. Uh, So those are, and then two, being intentional about uh, collaboration, 
we have opportunities in which we collaborate with each other where we value what one another bring to the table. And the other piece is that I love is that we have a mentorship program, whereas the new teachers coming in, they have the opportunity to be mentored for three years. And that's huge. So it's not only, I I feel like we have the supports in place for staff. We have the supports in place for the students, which gives us um, the opportunity to intentionally ensure that our students are learning and to have those things that are necessary to be properly prepared for being college and career ready. Because we know some students are going to college and some kids are going into careers after they they leave this place. So ensuring that our students are college and career ready. I think you said a, a, a an important thing there, uh, not only about the intentionality, once again, but the collaborative uh, nature of your uh, of your professional workspace. You know, Jennifer, Williamson County sort of stands in a special um, place in Southern Illinois as having had some of the most dramatic economic development success over the last two, three decades. As Lisa says here, we're preparing our kids for college, but also in some cases to be work ready. We don't know what jobs they need to be work ready for. And we need to be focusing on lifelong learning, not some sort of finite career that may not even be here by the time these kids graduate, right? So Jennifer, I'm curious how you see this challenge of economic sustainability coupling with our kids and their preparedness moving out of these schools and into our region. What are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on this? I like what Dr. Thomas said about high expectations. Um, So we have to have those expectations that our kids are going to be on the same level as all the other kids that are going to be exiting schools, you know, at the same time for my own personal kids and for my students, I want them to be able to hold their own. Um, you know, we're just digging into those standards, which is what we spent a lot of time because the whole state of Illinois, we have the same learning standards. We can learn them here just like they're learning and my kids are learning in Marion or they're learning in Chicago. So I think just, you know, meeting the kids where they're at, but then, you know, getting them up where they need to be. Now, the other thing that I really love, and, and I think we see it in Meridian, and I think that uh, you alluded to this, Lisa, when you were speaking and you, when you're talking about the mentorship, and I believe you're referring to a professional mentorship from teacher to teacher. But I also think that for our kids to see mentors in their lives, for them to believe something is possible. Because here's the thing, a kid growing up in Wilmette or Evanston or Naperville is seeing economic success in her neighborhood, profound economic success. They may be living three doors down from somebody that's, you know, bringing home a million dollars every year legally and doesn't have any problem with career prospects, right? And this is something they get to witness. Most of our kids downstate don't get to witness that. And so it's hard for them to even believe that 
success is available. And I'm not just talking monetary success. It could be, uh, look, I'm, I'm doing a certain kind of research and, uh, and it's fascinating or I'm doing, I'm writing a novel and it's amazing. You know, those kinds of people sometimes don't filter into our landscape as much in downstate Illinois. And I wonder if there's a, a possibility for finding a way to give kids in our district exposure to those kinds of things that maybe is being explored already that I'm not aware of. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but uh, you know who I'm talking about, Christopher, um, you know, uh, plays George Washington. Yeah, plays George Washington. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how he's regarded locally, but he's an inspiration to me. Um, I hope he's an inspiration to other young people because what he's done is remarkable in no small manner, very much like what you have done, Dr. Thomas, you have arisen from a backdrop as you described it yourself, uh, that was impoverished and challenging at bare minimum. And now look at what you've done. You you've achieved, you know, a doctorate degree from St. Louis university. It's remarkable. So where are those examples? Can we point our kids to those examples? And are we actively finding ways to do that? I'm just curious if this is something that is being undertaken. My first year here, and I think it was organized through Shawnee, uh, whereas I'm not sure that it happened with the younger kids, but I think they included uh, the fifth graders in it, I think it was maybe fifth through 12th grade, whereas they set up Zooms of people that had graduated from Meridian for them to actually have a conversation with them. Like uh, I remember a young lady, uh, Jasmine, that now she does extra in some movies. <laughs> I love it. Yes. And uh, some other people that had did other things. And then two, once, and I need to do it again. I have a nephew that graduated from Meridian. I think an associate professor at Alabama A&M. Uh, he has a doctorate degree in science, whereas he, he studies physics. And he talks to them about his lasers and things like that. So I think that there have been pockets pockets where we've exposed the kids, but uh, this is a great reminder that that's what we need to uh, continue to do. And I'm not sure of who actually organized that uh, opportunity. I think it was Shawnee Community College, whereas the kids were able to connect with people that had graduated from uh, Meridian that are uh, doing uh, very various occupations and that was a great opportunity but as i said that occurred once but to keep the ball rolling on that would be i think it's an invaluable idea to show kids look it isn't just about what you know it is about what you know for sure but also be inspired there's something i don't know how to explain it. it's ethereal in the wind that lifts us through something we don't quite understand. I don't know what it is. It's an unseen hand of some sort. And some may call it God, some may call it inspiration, some may call it good fortune. But I think it's out there and I think it transcends what we pick up in the day-to-day classwork. Do you know what I mean? And and I and I take nothing away from the day-to-day classwork, but I think there's an extra piece that I, I'd love to see us be able to bring in. So Jennifer, is there anything that you'd like to share on that point before we close out? Well, I, I mean, I teach first graders, so they're six and seven, and they're just starting to understand, you know, what a job is. Like, they ask me what my job is. I'm like, 
my job as a teacher. I'm your teacher. <laughs> so um, as far as that goes, for me, I'm just trying to, you know, open their eyes to see all the possibilities. Like there's all kinds of things you can do. You might want to stay here. You might want to live on your family's land and farm it like they've done for generations. Or you might want to go to another country. I mean, the options are endless. And so that's what I'm really just trying to get my little kids to see right now. Options are wonderful. I'm I'm so thrilled to hear that. And I love that, you know, they're connecting with different ideas that maybe defy convention in, in some ways. You know, I mean, living on family land is not something that every kid in America is raised up even being aware of as a possibility. That's remarkable. Well, you you both have been wonderful. I thank you both so much. And Dr. Thomas, forgive me for not asking about your degree earlier. I would have referred to you as Dr. Thomas had I done that. So, but no, that's a hard-earned degree, and you deserve every respect that comes with it. So, uh, Jennifer, you as well. First graders are are you know special. They're remarkable. I love mine. I know you love yours. So, thank you both so much for this morning. I really appreciate it. And thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. The static electricity that we feel in strong and lasting relationships is the spark of inspiration. If you believe in a child and motivate them to pursue their ideas, you're strengthening trust in themselves and shaping the perspective of the community as a whole. The thing is, to build better communities, we have to start with building better families. And why not inspire each other to do so? After all, the result is a place like Meridian, a place that's home whenever you want it to be. I'm Nate Fisher with Journey 12, and I want to thank you for joining me for this episode of the Engaging Bobcats podcast. So long, friends, one day at a time. <laughs>